Today on the Topping Show, Texas puts Ten Commandments back in classrooms, Fox News fires Tucker Carlson, CNN fires Don Lemon, Bud Light continues to decrease in their sales, and they actually fire some of their marketing folks, or rather put them on leave. You also have Coca-Cola increasing prices, but still have increases in sales. First Republic Bank deposits vanish. YouTube is banning Bud Light and Matt Walsh content. Bed Bath and Beyond now bankrupt. All of that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Have to say, quite handsome and brilliant. He's me. That's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, he's a little assistance. You can reach this team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Look more in the description. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Coca-Cola crushing it like a can pun moderately intended, they actually did really well during their Q1 performance as, as a publicly traded company. That data just hit the streets recently. Now, this is fascinating because with the inflation at a 40-year high, thanks to a myriad of reasons, mostly our government printing more money than it has ever been existed. Nevertheless, unprecedented inflation. So, Coca-Cola had to increase their prices, and a lot of folks were scared how much are people going to be willing to pay for sugary water, or rather corn syrup? It's no longer sugar for most of the products. Nevertheless, will this cause a decrease in sales? Absolutely. In this case, not. Despite increasing that, and for folks who don't realize how big Coca-Cola is, their market cap right now is $277 billion, with PepsiCo being around 260 to 265 So they're both behemoths, partially because they're greatly diversified. They don't just sell Coca-Cola or PepsiCo. They sell a lot of snacks, water, juice, a lot of liquids and salty snack foods. Pretty much the whole snack food aisle at most grocery stores is PepsiCo because of Pepsi Free Late. Nevertheless, I digress. Now, the company beat Wall Street expectations in both earnings and revenue. So Coca-Cola Q1 had a $10.96 billion in revenue versus the Wall Street expectation of $10.8 billion. And off of that, they had a profit of about $3.11 billion. And being a publicly traded company, one of the best things you can possibly do for your shareholders and for Wall Street is to beat their expectations. Because, of course, that makes you look fantastic. You go above and beyond and it inspires more people to buy stock, thereby increasing the price. And it's a lot more, you have a lot more confidence from the consumer and the shareholders and stockholders who see that despite the, one of the worst economies and hyperinflation, people are still buying sugary water. And they did say that some of the increase was partially due to the fact from their coffee zeros. You have also Coca-Cola zero or Coke zero, and you also have smart water and also attributed the sales to outside the home sales. So as opposed to traditional sale, you go to a grocery store, you buy a case, 12 pack, whatever the packs come in these days, you bring it home and consume it. Coca-Cola noticed an increase in spontaneous purchases. Think of when you go to a ballpark or a movie event and those types of scenarios. Gas convenience stores are also huge revenue for those types of companies. And it is also somewhat funny and a little disappointing when you think you go on LinkedIn and every social media website and everyone is rightfully so concerned about the economy, the inflation, having to tighten their budgets. 
but they're still buying this stuff. It's not necessary to say the least. You don't need quote unquote smart water, which is a brand they own brilliantly. Maybe it makes you smart if you drink it. I think I tried it once, obviously didn't work, but it's one of those situations where it's not a staple. It's not like a thing you need in order to live. And yet most of the Americans used to call it extravagance or luxury items, but you don't need a cup or a can of sugar water to exist. I, I think I buy some of that, some of those products I buy for the interview podcast I have. So when guests come over, they can have refreshment, but I'm a little old fashioned. I usually just drink ground up coffee beans in hot water. If I'm lucky, usually cold water times are tough. Heat costs cash. Nevertheless, fascinating and good for Coca-Cola for beating wall street expectations. It'll be interesting to see how their competitors do with all the uncertainty in the market. But if this is an indicator of beverages in general, they're probably doing just fine. As long as they're not Bud Light, but that's later in the podcast. Now, you also have interesting phenomenon. First Republic Bank had a 41% decrease in deposits, which was one of the major banks that felt the ripple effect, named after you throw a stone in water, you see all the ripples go by. It's not just one or a domino effect, similarly named. But when Silicon Valley Bank went belly up due to ineptitudes beyond all belief in their leadership and management, government, of course, bailed them out. But nevertheless, a lot of consumers were concerned and they moved their money to bigger banks, such as I think Chase is one of the largest and Bank of America in terms of where the deposits went because consumers saw them as more secure. And imagine having a 41% decrease in your deposits. And of course, this caused their stock to drop precipitously. Now, 41%, I always like to equate everything to data that's a little rev more relevant. That's $71 billion. $71 billion of deposits just vanished, basically. It's withdrawn, it's gone. Which should be especially concerning for all the folks who still have cash there because it's not a one-to-one -one ratio. When you go to a bank, if you deposit $1, they don't keep that dollar. They basically print money, they loan out. And there's, the ratio varies depending on who's in office, all the politics behind that. But it's basically a ratio in which they take in $1 and they can loan out a couple dollars, $7, what have you, which is where loans come from. It's not a one-to-one -one ratio, which is why when you have instances where there's a run on the bank, they don't actually have that much cash in those branches. They have some, but it's mostly on computers and in there, not the internet, but it's electronically stored. And then of course you have Fort Knox with some gold backing up. Well, nothing because we have fiat currency. It's not really backed by gold. It used to be called a promissory note. If you go on eBay or old websites, like old cash used to be called a silver certificate, a $1 bill, because it was just a promise for a piece of real tangible asset known as a piece of silver, which still worth something as opposed to the US dollar. Nevertheless, that's got to be concerning for that bank. Other sad news in terms of business history, maybe I'll get their sign behind me. If anyone in the comments works in the signage industry and they salvage old defunct companies, I gladly collect them. Obviously, if you're just listening, I have a couple of signs like Radio Shack, Blockbuster, EDS, which is a big electronic company, managed services company, all behind me. And they have more in the podcast or the interview podcast room. But yeah, if anyone in the comments, if that's your job or you've come across those things, send me a comment or send me an email and I'll gladly pay for that or accept a free donation. But nevertheless, it is sad to say that Bed Bath Beyond has declared chapter 11 bankruptcy. Now, 
just the headline may have brought or inspired some hope because chapter 11 is traditionally the restructuring of the company, but they made it pretty clear they were doing that only so that they had, they could sell off all or most quote unquote of the remaining assets of the company. They rolled the dice. They were in a precarious situation a few months ago where they were looking for an investor, negotiations kind of fell apart and they told the public, Hey, we're going to raise this money with stock. So they're going to hope they need, I believe $200 million. So in order for the company to stay afloat, they need to have $200 million infused in the company where people purchasing their stock. And at the time, I think their stock was $2 and 83 cents per share. Unfortunately, as of today, and it, it fluctuates by the minute, but it's about 20 cents a share. And it's really unfortunate because for a long time, it was a great company and it really sucks. A lot of folks are going to be out of work and thankfully they'll be able to find jobs elsewhere, hopefully soon. But a lot of folks blame, or when you look at why they went belly up, there'll be some more thorough documentaries specifically addressing that in the next couple of months, I'm sure. But from an anecdotal experience and from a third party experience in terms of my studying of the company and just being in and out, just my life experience in there, a lot of the folks complained you had high prices. The selection was a little shoddy in terms of some products. Other categories, they almost had too much. Like if you wanted a random piece of silverware or a kitchen utensil, they'd have 20 aisles. But then if you needed another category of item, they had like two, a selection of two. And I mean, I'll never forget when one of my college graduation gifts, my parents helped me buy a Vitamix blender. And one of the reasons we could afford that piece of American machinery, me in the USA still, is because we had a coupon for Bed Bath Beyond. And I think list price is like a $500 blender. But it's only it's one of two blender manufacturers that still make in the USA. Great seven year plus warranty. And I've used that blender three times a day, blending vegetables as well as ice for um, protein smoothies. So three times a day, and it's been over ten years, and it still works. Which in terms of made in America is a testament to that kind of engineering and manufacturing. Still freaking works. In contrast, when I was in college, I actually had a I think it was a KitchenAid. It was. It was a white KitchenAid appliance, a blender. Remember, I put in bananas, strawberries, and these are fresh, not frozen. I think skim milk, and then I threw in ice cubes. And just one time, it burnt out the motor. And that, way, I believe, was a $99 blender at the time. Nevertheless, thanks to that investment, it still works to this day. And we could afford it partially because of. Bed Bath Beyond, they had that coupon, which for the longest time, those coupons were a brilliant marketing campaign because it inspired you to go to the store, you would hunt for the deals. And it, it was one of those things where they said they never really expired. I, in the past couple of years, they actually had an expiration date, but store managers were pretty lenient on that. So that made for a good experience. But even with that coupon, all their items were pretty premiumly priced. And I know it's cliche to say, but E-commerce adaptation is a huge thing of the company. A lot of folks don't think they went, they invested enough resources to bolster that side. And you also have, you know, a lot of folks don't want to talk about this issue, some may, but you have decreasing marriage rates in the United States. And one of the things they make a lot of money at Bed Bath Beyond was the wedding registration, where traditionally folks wouldn't live together before they are married. And one of the parts of becoming married is, well, you now need a lot of staples in your home that maybe appliances you don't already own. So you have this registration, you'd have maybe a toaster, blender, all those little knickknacks, maybe an iron, all those types of things. 
And in January, I think a couple months ago, Bed Bath & Beyond noted, hey, we're having a major decrease in our wedding registries, partially probably because they were going bankrupt, but that might be another thing that negatively impacted their business. Time shall tell as we get more publicly data released. But it is sad to see that, unfortunately, they're going to be closing all 360 of their Bed Bath & Beyond stores, as well as the 120 Bye Bye Baby stores, which they also own. And I really do hope those 32,000 employees find gainful employment at a different re re uh, retailer, because there are others that are growing. And thankfully, what the nice thing about capitalism is it's always evolving. So while retail may be decreasing, you also have software as a service, technology jobs are increasing exponentially. And there's a lot of opportunity for them to fight for it. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, Bud Light continues to fizzle out. Granted, I don't think they put much carbonation in that slurry to begin with. Nevertheless, three people still enjoy their beer to this day, I probably think. But they're finally starting to make some changes. And it's in the most acquiesce. It's almost like they were trying to acquiesce responsibility in the most politically mattered way. So they said that Alyssa Heinerschild, who was the frat girl who on LinkedIn proudly said she was the first female advertising marketing leader in the beer company. Ironically, the first one to destroy the brand, which is a nice meme I've seen a couple of times. And also one of those things where, well, there's just in society more and more place, placement on the value of who you are, not what you are or what you do, which I always define a man by what he does, not who he is. Nevertheless, so Bud Light said that they're putting her on a leave of absence, which is a politically way, nice way of saying they're gone. Now, I wonder if they're not saying she's fired because it might be like a public sector job where they're just going to pay her to take a vacation for two months, hope this thing dies down, and then quietly bring her back into the ring. Now, she'll never be out of a job. Starbucks or another competitor with more of her political ideology, they're going to praise her for years because of this move. Granted, it tanked the stock as well as the price, as well as all the sales. But from their perspective of social justice, she succeeded, perhaps. Now, they're also saying a second person is being put on this fancy, fancy, fancy term, leave of absence. So now you have two marketing leaders, and apparently one of the, but the Anheuser-Busch VPs, global VPs, is going to take her position for the most difficult job I could possibly think in terms of how do they turn things around when they've pissed off the left and the right? They had that BS commercial where even Joe Rogan, the biggest podcaster on the planet, is turning against Bud Light where he called them out on their shit with the the yeah, little horse commercial that they released through two or three days ago, which almost was like a copy paste from like a PR company where like if you're in if you're in deep shit, let's just copy paste this full patriotic emotional rhetoric. They had the Clydesdale horses, they had the they made a 9-11 reference 20 plus years after the fact to try to save their brand or what's left of their brand, which no one thought that was tasteful. It was inauthentic. It just came across as inauthentic. And it, we don't know who to believe anymore. We don't know who you are, Bud Light. Well, you're a shitty beer to most people, but no one knows what they really believe in or what they really stand in. Because they had a crappy apology from the CEO, which wasn't even an apology. It was just a political statement, basically. So, needless to say, their sales are continuing to decrease and the boycott from the conservatives are working, which is 
again, a testament to them because it's the first time they ever did anything like that successfully. Time shall tell if other companies will learn from this and maybe stay out of politics if you make products that aren't politically oriented, like a drink, which, again, is Bud Light. Any frat boy can drink it. I don't see why you would want to make that a political thing. But they did. Time shall tell if it's successful. I don't think it will be. Now, other interesting cultural notes, speaking of Bud Light, YouTube is banning content against Bud Light, Matt Walsh, and Dill Mulvaney. Dill Mulvaney being the trans activist Bud Light brilliantly hired to try to decrease, I mean increase. I'm sure they're trying to increase their sales. And the concerning part, a lot of YouTube creators, now they're getting a notice from YouTube where they're having the content. And the quote from YouTube is, we wanted to let you know that our team has reviewed your content and we think it violated our harassment policy. We know you may not realize that this was a violation of our policies, so we are not applying a strike to your channel. However, we have to remove the following content from YouTube, and they actually know a couple of this, this creator let the titles out. They said the YouTube soccer, they said James O'Keefe, you had Woke, The Last of Us on HBO Hobby Story, and Matt Walsh versus Dylan Mulvaney. And one of the things that some folks that don't make YouTube content realizes is once you become monetized, which knock on wood, thanks again for everyone for clicking that subscribe button and watching and liking the channel. Each one helps us get further to that goal, which will help me do awesome graphics and stuff in the background eventually. Now, if you get three strikes on a YouTube channel, it's completely nuked. So I think the first strike, you're demonetized, so you cannot make any money off the advertising dollars. You, Google, YouTube still does. But three strikes and you're gone. So this is a very unusual situation. They're saying, even though you... You may, you may have violated, we think it violated our policy. Well, YouTube, you wrote the rules. It either does or it doesn't. And it's interesting that they're, maybe they're scared of the decrease in sales and revenue because if you put those strikes against these, against these large content creators, they might move completely to an alternative platform like Rumble. But it was interesting to see how they said it. They just said, you may have violated these rules we make up on the fly. And a lot of folks are wondering, is this because Bud Light is asking them? Bud Light's telling YouTube, hey, we're spending millions of dollars on your platform, and people are making a mockery, rightly so, of our brilliant business decision. Why don't you take this stuff down? So there's a lot of interesting murky waters, but it is unfortunate to see more censorship on a platform that used to uh, believe in free speech. At least that's what they claimed back in the day. Now. Going into the political part of the podcast, very interesting development in the great state of Texas. You have Texas putting the Ten Commandments back in classrooms. Now, this is under, again, a brilliant, such, such a great marketing, I swear. They, this bill is called SB1515. Great marketing. Nevertheless, that bill passed the Texas Senate by a 17 to 12 vote with every public in the in it Every public elementary or secondary school must prominently display a quote-unquote durable copy or framed copy of the Ten Commandments that is at least 16 inches wide and 20 inches tall, and it must be legible to a person with an average vision from anywhere in the classroom. This bill was sponsored by Phil King, and he said that, quote, the bill will re remind students across Texas of the importance of the fundamental foundation of America, unquote which is absolutely true. That's how our country is founded, despite what many people protest against and want to say otherwise. It was founded on religion as well as freedom of religion. And I think it's important to delineate in this bill, it's not forcing teachers to 
actually push the religion on them. This is allowing the content to exist. And I don't see this, actually see this as more legitimate as other states where they have flags that are politically charged in the classroom that don't belong there. And they have the teachers pushing their personal political ideology on the children. If they want to do that in California, why can't Texas, which put this in back in the classroom where the United States was founded on these morals and values. And if you want to think otherwise, just open up your wallet. Well, I was going to say open up your wallet. If you're over 50, open, open, up, open your, up your wallet like me, and you'll see cash and a coin or two, and you'll say, in God we trust. And I see, given the moral, how morally vacuous most many public elementary schools and how many issues we're having right now in the schools, this might be what it takes to put it in the right direction, where schools used to be much more religious. And they, if you look, actually read the Ten Commandments, I don't see anything offensive about that. It's a exponentially better template to build a person's moral values than what they're being taught now, which being the taught now is nothing or garbage. Many of the time, not all the time. But it'll be interesting to see how this progresses. Will other states adopt this as the country seems to become more bifurcated and divided? Will you have more of the southern states that believe in religion and God? And will they start putting these all up in their classrooms? And then you have folks in the other states in the north or California. Will they start to put more? Well, I was about to say more of the political ideology. I don't think that's possible. When you have them teaching their political ideology through even math problems, social studies has been whitewashed or selectively selectively edited so it fits their narrative. It'll be interesting to see what kind of ripple effect this has throughout other states. Will more of them adopt this or will they pass their own laws to reject it? Interesting to see, but time shall tell. Now, other interesting political news the media politics is in a flurry of different things happening. You have Fox News firing Tucker Carlson, Fox News being the best news site if you're over 50 or like me and you just like to see different opinions. And they fired Tucker Carlson, Carlson who's their main, he's the face of the company as far as I can tell. He's the most popular reporter bar none and unlike a lot of reporters, he actually breaks new stories and brings things that are against the narrative of other media companies, which is why I appreciate a lot of his takes and a lot of his news, because you don't see it at other sites. And the rare, reason, the rare instance where you do see the same topic covered, it's very entertaining to have two screens where one's CNN, one's Tucker, Fox News. You have the same exact um, situation, and it's fascinating to see how they both have different framing techniques to fit their own narratives. But this is interesting. So this is coming after a couple of days where Fox had one of the largest settlements in media history. Fox News agreeing to pay $787 million to the Dominion Voting Machine Company, where Fox News hosted folks like Trump and I believe his attorney, where they were saying they thought that the machines were hacked or flawed in, which that, in, a, way, in a way in which it swayed the 2020 election. And Dominion is saying, you know, that's not the fact, even though they don't release the source code. And they claim their brand was tarnished because Fox News platformed those folks. Many people think the First Amendment should have protected over that. But Fox agreed to settle. They were sued for about $1.6 billion by the company, and they agreed, hey, we'll, we'll go down to 787 So that's a lot of money that's just gone. 
And rumor is they have about $4 billion in cash in terms of assets right now. So they could take that hit, but you have news networks decreasing in popularity, this doesn't help. And this is also coming at the same time where Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I believe, she's a brilliant philosopher, many might say, former, although a lot of people say she's better being a bartender. Nevertheless, that was her first job. But she's actually calling on Fox News to be regulated by the government, which if that if the proposal is actually passed and more stringent strings are attached to the situation or more levies are pulled, whatever we want to call the situation, but if the government actually starts to regulate one particular news network and they decrease their effectiveness or they decrease how many people they can reach or they just put so much red tape they can't even put out a story because it has to be approved by the five different levels, completely un-American, but that's what she wants to push. If that happens, that's going to hurt Fox News. That's going to have a decrease in revenue. If there's more regulation, that's typically how things work. Now, this is also coming a couple days after Tucker Carlson's producer was also fired by Fox News. And the rumor is this decision is coming straight from Rupert Murdoch, who's the chairman owner of Fox. And the rumor is that Rupert Murdoch was not a fan of Tucker Carlson's take on January 6th, particularly when Tucker Carlson actually released the tapes so the actual evidence that the government was withholding from the public tucker carlson released the tapes that showed the protesters some called insurrectionists they were walking peacefully through the capitol and the police escorted the main guy i forget the guy with the funny bull hat but he wasn't causing harm against the police the police were it was quite the opposite bizarre situation many many are the conspiracy theories are growing exponentially because this was such a big political issue to and had a sway on the 2020 midterms but it showed hit the shaman i think that was the name nevertheless the funny looking guy at the bull hat the police peacefully escorted him throughout the capital so it wasn't like he was breaking down the doors as many a lot of the emotionally char rhetorically charged statements were saying this video evidence showed they were peacefully they were giving him a, a personal tour Bizarrely enough, so Rupert Murdoch was not a fan of Tucker releasing that data, and this is one. Perhaps, perhaps this belongs as one of the biggest business blunders of the year. It's up there, but it's political, politically, it's a political company, nevertheless. But their stock went down by about five percent. Now that equates to six hundred and ninety million dollars. A little over half a billion dollars on the news that their best known anchor was fired. Keep in mind, Tucker had the largest following. It was about 3 million people tuning in to a cable news network every night to, to watch him. That's unprecedented for a news anchor to get, which is astonishing. And there's a lot of speculation, where is Tucker going to go? Could he go, does the Daily Wire, do they have enough capital to fund him? They're a growing conservative media company out of Tennessee, but they certainly don't have the cash revenues and the cash on hand like Fox News. I believe they have about 1 million paid subscribers at the Daily Wire, which is a huge business feat and achievement in and of itself. But that's not the billion dollars resources that Tucker is usually working with. There's also even speculation that he might run for VP for Trump, which right now it doesn't sound too crazy it's a very fascinating 
situation with a lot of balls in the air. It'll be interesting to see where they fall, but a lot of people do appreciate his reporting. And it was a very important tool, Fox News, in terms of Tucker is able to reach a older audience, a more mature audience, some might say. But if he transitions to a something like a Rumble, which is a internet-based app as well as a video streaming platform, that's not in the traditional news cable network. And a lot of people don't realize companies like Fox, they make a, a lot of cash, a lot of their money because of cable packages where companies will bid for that package and is a leverage when you're trying to sell cable to someone. They say, we have Fox News. You probably like to tune into that. We'll buy our cable package. So it's a sales mechanism for them as well. If they don't have Tucker, which a lot of people appreciate his view, what's the long-term effect going to be on Fox News? They're already in trouble. They're getting sued by yet another voting company or um, voting machine company as well, I believe. So time shall tell, but that's not good. Now, other fascinating political news on, on media, Don Lemon was also fired from CNN. And of course, he had an interesting meltdown on Twitter. He said, quote, I was informed this morning by my gent that, or by his gent, by his agent, I've been terminated by CNN. I'm stunned after 17 years at CNN that I would have thought that someone in management would have had the decency to tell me directly. At no time was I ever given an indication that I would not be able to continue to do my work I loved at this network. It is clear that there are some larger issues at play. With that said, I want to thank my colleagues and my teams I've worked with for an incredible run. They are the most talented journalists in business, and I wish them well." Unquote. Now, it was admittedly difficult for me not to laugh through that quote. Because if you look at the past 12 months even, he's had a lot of quote-unquote controversies. He had the temerity to tell someone that a woman is not in her prime past a certain age, which is actually not scientifically or even logically inaccurate. It, men are the same thing. Everyone, everyone has a prime. But his female cast around him turned on him venomously. Um, but he's also had a lot of issues in the past, and a lot of people don't appreciate the fact that most of his conversations, he always makes a race-oriented argument or brings the whole topic to race when it doesn't have to be. It's like you could be drinking a Pepsi or a Coke, and he'd be like, oh, is that because you're ex? It's like, well, no, I just like that sugary or corn syrupy product. But, and he's also a, he lies, well, I mean, that's not very unique at CNN, so it's not just him, but he also just is a terrible interviewer, and it's so bad, I got to show you, or rather play this with you. So this is a recent one. Some are saying this was the tip of the iceberg or the tipping point in which CNN finally said, okay, we got to cut this guy because he's that inept. And he was actually interviewing a presidential candidate, Vivek Ramaswamy, who I think he, I don't know if he has enough support around him to make a legit run at the presidency, but I do appreciate he's a pharmaceutical, uh, I was about to say philanthropist, he does have some philanthropic uh, things that he does, but he's a entrepreneur, he did a startup in the pharmaceutical space, and he wrote a, good, a book about the intertwining between politics and business, which I found especially fascinating, called Woke Inc. And let me just play this quick second, little, little interview, it's got 
Wow, it has a lot of likes. It's been uh, ratioed, as the kids might say. So this is Don Lemon interviewing Vivek. So with due respect, I find, I find your explanation reductive and actually insulting, including to black Americans, to say that black people today, compared to 1964, 1865, haven't made progress in part because of the freedoms we secured. And the Second Amendment was... What? Now, this guy's talking about freedom. Obviously not Don Lemon. That's Vivek speaking. Hold on, hold on, on please. Freedom. I cannot keep a thought if you guys are talking to me in my ear. So that's Don Lemon talking to his producers who are probably in his earpiece saying, for the love of God, stop talking about race. Just interview the damn person. Stop putting your personal views into this. So uh, hang on one second. So to say that, that black people, say, say what you said again. Black people secured their freedoms after the Civil War and is a historical fact, Don. Just study it. Only after their Second Amendment rights were secured. They were not secured their freedoms after the Civil War. That is not, you are discounting uh, uh, Reconstruction. You're discounting a whole host of things that happened after the Civil War when it comes to Africa. Now, I know history is something that's long forgotten in the United States, and the books are barely dusted off these days in classrooms, but the Civil War, yeah, that was kind of one of the main components was freeing these slaves. Again, his lack of information is astonishing. Americans, including the whole reason that the civil rights movement happened is because black people did not secure their freedoms after the Civil War, and that things turned around. People would tried to change the freedoms that were supposed and to And you know how they the got it? They got their Second Amendment rights, and they actually got the NRA played a big role in that. But today, down the The NRA did the, not play a big role in that. The NRA is by no means perfect, but they have had their moments in history. This is true. And they also do safety instructional videos and classes around the country so they do a lot of good i'm not a fan of how they quickly acquiesce from responsibility when they're actually trying to campaign on capitol hill to get rights given back to people they seem to be utterly inept mr wayne lapierre especially but they seem to bend the knee so to say they're not winning a lot these days but they're taking a lot of folks money that's a lie. That's not. The NRA did not play a big role. This is just historical fact. But now, the part that I find you say it's historical fact. The part that I find insulting is when you say today black Americans don't have those rights after we have gone through civil rights revolution in this country. You are sitting here telling an African American about the rights and what you find insulting about the the way I live, the skin I live in every day. Here's where you and I have a different point of black and white that black people don't have in this country, and that black people do have. Well, here's where you and I have a different point of view. I think we should be able to express our views regardless of the color of our skin. We should have this debate without me regarding views, you as a black man, but me regarding you as a fellow citizen. That you're That's sitting what I think here, whatever ethnicity you are, explaining to me. Whatever ethnicity I want. How insulting is that? Whatever, whatever ethnicity you are. Now, for a lot of people, I can't, well, I guess you can't see the screen in this instance, but Vivek is Indian. It's like to be black Whatever America. ethnicity I'm I am, I'll tell you what I am. I'm an Indian American. I'm proud of it. But I think we should have this debate. Black, white, doesn't matter. I think we should have this on debate. On the content should, of the ideas. Do it, you should do it in an honest way and in a I fair think, way. And what you're doing is not in an honest and fair way. Okay? It, with, we, we appreciate you coming on. With Thank due you respect, Don, I look forward to continuing that conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Now, to say he's utterly inept would be an understatement. And... He's been doing this for 17 years, and he's only gotten worse in quality. It's like some American cars. It's almost fascinating how worse he makes it for himself. And every interview he does always comes back to race and selfishness, and just utter selfishness himself. Well, it's one of those things where you should strive every day to improve. One of the it is difficult to interview someone and, well, eloquently speaking, just shut the hell up. And it's something I've gotten a lot better at. I'm not by no, need, by no means a professional, 
but I've had an interview podcast for about six months now. I think we're on the 23rd interview called Topping Talks. And even within five to six episodes in, thanks to my uh, producer and a couple of folks critiquing me, I was able to take that feedback and decrease the amount that I'm speaking and play more on what they're saying and not bringing up anecdotal evidence or anecdotal stories from my side of the table because the purpose of the, inter the, purpose of the interview is to gain their perspective and have them share their stories. So in th two to three months, some might say I progressed more than Don Lemon had in 17 years. Some might say. Now, funny enough, this actually didn't hurt CNN's, they're crashing and burning. They have ever since the 2020 election and when they lost like 65% of their viewership because they didn't have Trump to talk about. So I have a conspiracy theory. They're begging for Trump to win just so they can have 24-hour news coverage at CNN again and just make money that way. Now, their stock, after the announcement that they're going to fire him, their stock only went down 1.5%. So it's not really, it didn't have the as much of an impact as Tucker did over at Fox News. And it's so sad that he won't be on CNN anymore. The rumor is he might start a GoFundMe campaign to aid him. Some might call it Don Lemon Aid. Someday we'll increase, they'll put some sound effects in there, maybe some crickets or something. Nevertheless, that is a fascinating political news to have such a so many changes in the media companies. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Boeing 737 Max having issues. And this is especially concerning considering how many people use airplanes. It's not exactly, if there's a small crack or small fault, you could have exponentially worse catastrophic results in the air with people inside. Now, their stock tumbled last week at the, after they revealed a supplier that said they, they are going to expect delays which very similar to a movie production, any small or seemingly small delays can cost millions of dollars because of the aggregate or the long-term or the ripple effect of the situation. If you have a plane the size of a building being constructed and you have millions of people working on it, millions of parts coming together, but you can't put it down the assembly line because one part isn't there, you still have all those people working. You now have to store that giant plane somewhere. You have to securely store it. You have to put it in environmentally controlled environment, you can just throw it outside. So you can have a huge increase on the cost per unit of those airplanes. Now, the spot the spotter is called Spirit Aerosystems, and they let Boeing know of the issue. They do not expect this to ground any delivered planes, which is good news, but they expect this to delay deliveries. The shares dropped 5.6% last Friday. And the Boeing, the spotter told Boeing that a, quote, non-standard manufacturing process, unquote, was used in on two fittings of the fuselage of, on four 737 models, Boeing said adding to the problem does not pose a, quote, immediate safety or flight issue. And they go on to say, we have notified the Federal Aviation Administration of the issue. We are working to conduct investigations to replace the non-conforming fittings where necessary, unquote. Boeing said we expect low, lower near-term 737 MAX deliveries while this request is work to be completed. Now, they previously had projected deliveries of 400 to 450 737s in 2023 compared to the 387 delivered in 2022. And it'll be interesting to see if you can't deliver those expensive, marvelous machines of engineering, 
how much is that stock going to continue to decrease or maybe the supplier might be able to remedy a situation as soon as possible. But again, another reason you have to especially vet your suppliers and then have continuous conversations with them to ensure that all the components are up to spec or ideally even better than spec, and especially when it comes to safety devices. Now, nevertheless, needless to say, that is the business blunder of the day. If you'd like to see more content like this, don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and comment. Every single one of those things assists our channel and will increase the quality. We also appreciate feedback in the comments section. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your coworkers, tell your friends, tell your enemies, heck, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.